Tonight's episode is sponsored by Mountain Sea Blast. Have a blast the size of a mountain. Mountain Sea Blast has not been recognized by the FDA as a food or drug. Osmond, you are impaled. Father Romali, you are not. That is factually accurate. Sir Osmond has a green goo-covered grail in his hand. And standing off to the side is Trevor Epps. Well, he's in no position to hang on to that grail. So I go get it. As I see Ebbs take off for the grail, I'm going to leap from my power lift and use Ebbs to break my fall. Roll to protect someone. All right. Um, So on the dice, I have rolled a three and a one, uh, which is a four. That's plus my tough, which is a three. So that's a seven. Would it not also be with the rounding uh, plus four from this dangerous circumstance? That situation has ended. Understood. So I roll the seven. With a seven, the two of you collide and fall splayed on the ground. You are belly up and helpless. Osmond, run. I'll catch up. A true knight does not flee. I rise to my feet. And I do attempt to recreate some distance between myself and the creature that has quite clearly been impersonating my descendant. You know, Flo, you're in no shape to defend that grail right now. So... You should probably just hand it over and save yourself the trouble. I would not sully my vigil across the eons to turn it over to a charlatan like yourself. Um, and as I say that, I skitter over from underneath Father O'Malley. Like a crab walk, you know? Because who cares if I'm on the ground? As he starts to crab walk, I'm going to attempt to grab his ankle and yank him back. Roll to act under pressure. All right. A five and a four is a nine. Plus my cool of one is a ten. You yank the leg out from under him and he crashes to the floor. It's not a very far fall because he is crab walking, but... As this has all been happening, I am trying to scrape the green material off of the grail with my gauntlets. Roll to read a bad situation. I rolled a five and a three for an eight. Plus my sharp of one turns it into a nine. Gives you a hold one. 
Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? Well, there seems to be some movement in the pile of rubble that Sir Bors was trapped under. You have bought yourselves enough time to do something, but you are certain that he will not be incapacitated for very long. I make a leap for the grail. Leap. Trevor leaps across the room, reaching out for the grail. What do you do? I turn around, having the exposed blade piercing through my back up in the air to receive him. Roll to kick some ass. I rolled a 5 and a 5 for a total of 10, uh, plus my tough of 3 makes it a 13, and kick some ass is an advanced maneuver of mine. So, how would you like this to go? Between the suddenness of this turnabout, this attack is very successful upon the unassuming Skinwalker, and with the Holy Grail... There is more than a normal amount of justice behind this turn of a shoulder, and my attack drives the enemy away in a rout. There is a blast of holy energy, and it hurts. It causes a sizzling, deep wound in the torso of the skinwalker as it crashes into you. And it does not seal up. The skinwalker screeches and its form rips open away from where the blade made contact. And it gives up all semblance of Trevor Ebbs as it drops to all fours and sprints away, moving like a moving like a large hunting cat. Sir Osmond. You take two harm bypassing armor as the creature colliding with this blade wrenches it deeper into you. The blade pops forward and lands with a sickening thud as blood begins to pour from your open wounds. I will grab the sword and... With a free finger on that hand, reach beneath my breastplate and desperately feel for what I know is a lever that seals the armor, preventing further exposure to the air and perhaps further flow of my blood. Your hand tingles and... The nerves in your arm catch fire as you grip this sword. It is indeed one of the original swords. You're fairly certain that Boris has enhanced this blade in some way. And it is not in a small way. All the more reason that he loses it, along with his knightly standing. I turn to... My comrade O'Malley. While Osmond was dealing with the Skinwalker, 
I found the body of the fallen plant worker that the fake Trevor had thrown up into the air, dug around in their pockets, and dug out their car keys to provide us with a means of escape. Seeing Osmond turn to me, I say, let's go, and I just start heading out of the door that we came in through and trying to find the parking lot while frantically jamming on the unlock button to find the car. There's a bleep bleep, and you jump in too. I'm going to have you make a luck roll. A luck roll? Just roll two dice to see if you're lucky. Okay, here we go. I rolled a six and a five and eleven. You hear a beep beep and you turn. And there's a tiny smart car. But right behind it is the oversized 4x4 giant monster SUV that the keys actually go to. Alright, I rush to the back and I open the the pop hatch bringing the seats down. I say, Osmond, get in here. Lay down. We gotta go. And as soon as he's in and ready to roll, I get in the driver's seat and uh, hit the pedal to get out of immediate danger as quickly as we can. So you jump in, you hit the pedal, and you skip up onto the curb and go right through the fence at the edge of the parking lot. Tear down the hill and get to the road leading down the cliff. Leaving a small swath of destruction as you go. Sounds like our MO. Trevor. Hey man. You and Quincy are sitting on the beach. And you are helping him look through the cell phone apps you've helped him download. His cell phone is the size of a refrigerator door, but it is running a relatively recent version of Android. So that's it, man. When you see the picture, you either swipe or you tap. And if you get a response, that's like super cool. And you meet up and you go from there. And that's how you use Elder. It makes some squid-like noises. Nazi Manu continues translating for you, using the Alicanto as an intermediary. He says that there is many dimensions in which to swipe that you apparently do not see. Well, well, yes, I do not believe there are names for the directions in which he can sort these. Um, I want to say ladies, but I do not think that is entirely accurate. Well, that's okay. Um, well, look, that means you're better than I thought you were. This one has at least 1,300 genders. That's, that's a lot. So, Quincy, if, uh... He says he will swipe... <laughs> word on it. I I think I just aged five years. Um, You do feel yourself going gray. Huh. So, let's not talk about that one again. Um, and, uh... Yeah. If you need anything in the future, just, uh, you know, give me a ring. And I will bring my boat on over and say what's up. High five. It it raises a finger and 
says something again. Oh. Alicanto shakes his head. Atsimanu shakes her head. And the camera just focuses directly in on Trevor Ebbs. Back to the other team. Uh, you folks are driving down the street. Screeching down the road listening to Pearl Jam. Probably because there's too many buttons for the good father to find a way to change it. I have bigger concerns at the moment anyway. And what are those concerns? Well, I need to make sure, first and foremost, that Osmond doesn't die. Um, but I also want to be at least some distance away from uh, the horror show that we left behind before I stopped to, to fully put my focus on that. Uh, so it's high speed away from the the bottling factory, and then once we, you know, are on the highway, I can go back to, like, a reasonable highway speed. So, you're on the highway with the Knight of the Round Table bleeding out in the back seat? Yes. Um, that is when, uh, calming down for a moment, I look in the center console and see that in the cup holder there is a bottle of water, which I pass back to Osmond. I know you might not want to do this, Osmond, but if you put this in the goblet and drink it, you should be feeling a lot better. No! Squirrel is not for the consumption of the knight who finds it! That... For that was... Boris's folly. I shall not go down his path. No. Well, you don't necessarily need to go down his path, but you're going to stop traveling your own if you don't. If we don't do something almost immediately about what's going on with your gaping wound. A knight shall endure. Yeah, no, I I love your chivalry, brave knight, but unfortunately. Uh, modern science has taught us a lot more about what it means to have blood in you. Oh, no need to worry. The armor is preventing more of my life's essence from leaving my armor. Well, if you won't drink from the cup, which, by the way, would be the easiest solution, there may be another way to help you, but it's going to be far, far less pleasant. Is that what you want to do? For the king. Seeing Osmond's determination, I get into the right lane, I pull off at the next exit, and I find uh, a roadside gas station. I pull in behind the station building so that the view is mostly obscured. Then, stepping from the vehicle, I get in the back with Osmond, and I say, all right, Osmond, I need you to take off your chest plate. I'm afraid the chest plate's the only thing keeping my insides inside. <laughs> yes, and your back plate's going to keep doing that for another minute, but I need to see your wound in order to try to help you. I 
begin to, as clumsily as it happens, to doff the chest plate. While Osmond is removing his chest plate, I open my gym bag and remove my sword. And then, as the chest plate comes off, all you can see is blood and entrails, and this gouge inside of him has... Well, it wasn't just blood that the armor is holding in. That's fine. I am gonna use my sword to cauterize his wound. For you to cauterize his wound without causing him any additional harm will require a very specific, very careful application of the sword's blazing power. I'm going to need you to roll to use magic. Okay. Here we go. Well, the three... And a three is a six. Plus my weird of one is a seven. But I cannot lose Osmond. So I am going to spend a point of luck to make my roll a twelve. Sir Osmond, this is incredibly painful. And you're not sure if you felt pain like this before. But the bleeding has mostly stopped. Knock it off, cat. The bleeding has mostly stopped, and you feel like you're no longer in immediate danger of just dying. You're definitely still in need of severe medical attention, but but you've got a little bit of time. Osmond, uh, even if you don't use the Grail, I would recommend drinking some of that water. Uh, it'll probably at least in the short term, make you feel a little bit better. Um, and now we will drive you to a real doctor, and hopefully they will be able to help you. And then I'll get back in the car, the front the front seat of the car, and drive Osmond to the nearest hospital. During which time I will take the uh, the plastic container of water as well as the sword, uh, formerly belonging to Boars, and use it to cut off that weird top part that I see people drinking from, and then proceed to consume the water, before ultimately passing out. Hey folks, welcome to the middle of episode 31. It's going to be kind of short today because it's just me, but that's okay. Remember, you can listen to us on all your favorite podcast channels like Apple, Amazon, iTunes. Did I say Apple already? Probably. Who knows? A bunch of cool places. You already know because you're listening. But anyway, enough of that. Back to the show. Trevor Ebbs. Trevor Ebbs. You don't remember taking any mushrooms. But you're not sure why else you would be standing in this infinite void. You're standing next to a table taller than any of the buildings you've seen in town. With two just as enormous chairs pulled up next to it. 
there's something that seems similar to a clock ticking on... Well, it's not a wall because there is no wall. But you feel like maybe you're just at the wrong angle to see it. Oh. The hands sometimes tick like normal hands. Sometimes they tick backwards. Sometimes they jump around. You're sure there's some kind of rhyme or reason to it because everyone seated at each of the 20 identical tables in the room seems to be going along with it. Quincy is seated at this closest one. There's a vase on the table. But where one would normally put flowers are crystalline stems topped by what appear to be swirling galaxies. Seated across from Quincy and engaging him in conversation is... What appears at first to be a amorphous series of strand-like appendages, uh, as it rolls and folds, does seem to resemble more so a a hodgepodge of various different colors of spaghetti with large amoeba-like uh chunks of meat that seem to be swimming within it all at the same time with two oblong eyes of black slera and white iris. You're not sure exactly how long these two have been talking for. It's felt like a literal eternity. You're pretty sure time doesn't work the way you're used to here, and... You have witnessed the rise and fall of civilizations, of dust mites, living at ground level. The last one actually invented air travel. Antimanu shakes her head. Why are we here? Um, I don't know. I thought I was going home. But... Apparently, Quincy wanted some backup. A buzzer rings. A creature that appears to be many intersecting rings covered with flaming eyes with six pairs of bright white rings floats across the room holding a microphone in front of it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of our fourth round of intergalactic speed dating. If you are a fan of the person, non-person, multiple persons that you have been sat across from, please mark it on one of your seven-dimensional worksheets. After this, everyone will rotate one step to the... And we will continue with the next round. There is some seat shuffling. And... Quincy uh, picks you up and carries you gingerly to the next table. Whee! I think we may be his conversation starters. Well, we are pretty conversational. You have a super cool mythic bird, and you can talk to it. 
and I met the world turtle. So, like, we're pretty interesting. The new eldritch being seated across from them. At first, it appears to be simply a gelatinous goo in, housed entirely in some kind of sphere uh, levitating uh, several feet off the seat of the chair. However, the closer you look at it, you observe that at all angles and possible viewing points, there are multitudinous mouths, each mouth with glistening white teeth, somehow whiter than the last that you saw, all with sharp, pointed, animalistic fangs. Truly, it is a thing of horror. Father O'Malley. Yes, my son. You are driving to the hospital. Something doesn't quite feel right. You might want to roll to read a bad situation. Let's do it. Well, a five and a two is going to go ahead and be a seven. Uh, Plus my sharp of two is going to be a nine. That, I believe, gives me a hold one. What question would you like to ask? What's the biggest threat? You are driving towards that nearest hospital when you hear a high-pitched scraping sound as you look up into the rearview mirror. You can see the skinwalker in what you would assume is its natural form. Or at least the form you've seen it in most often. Carving deep gouges in the rear window of the car. All right. Osmond, hold tight, and I am going to um, slam the brakes and and pull to the right to fling the um, the skinwalker off by the surprise where the with the sudden movement of the vehicle. Roll to act under pressure. Acting under pressure. Here we go. Well, a three and a two is a five. Uh, plus my cool of one is a six. So I'm going to go ahead and mark me an experience point. Mark yourself an experience point. As you jackknife the SUV, you spin too hard and it begins to roll over and over and crashes side along into a telephone pole. Everyone in the car, take two damage. I will use a point of luck to take no damage and not die. Is it armor defeating? It is not. All right, so I will take one point of harm. Yeah, no, I still have to use that luck point. And I put on my helmet. (laughs) (laughs) The car is upside down and side along wrapped around a telephone pole. The creature hit the wall at 40 miles an hour, but is reconstituting itself. There is still a vicious black scar from the damage earlier. I, I'm i going to grab my, my gym bag 
um, and make it look as though uh, I'm hurriedly putting something in it. And then I'm going to kick out the, the door that I was in, climb out, and start running away from the SUV. You take off. Is there a particular direction you're heading? Um, just a, away, whatever the most direct route away from the SUV is. Okay. I'm just, I'm trying to get the attention of the Skinwalker. And it's attention you do have. It's a little bit slow as it first starts following you, as its muscles and bones and tendons reform and re-solidify. But it is indeed chasing after you, Sir Osmond. I keep an eye on the situation and a firm grip on the Sword of Boars. So you're hunkering down and hiding inside the car? I am making certain that I am fully armed for a battle ahead. Well, you can hear the creature chasing after the father. When I have redonned my breastplate and have my sword at the ready, with grail in hand, I shall depart the vehicle and make way to follow. Father O'Malley. Yes. The creature is picking up speed. Its legs are elongating. And the bones on its hands are sprouting forth from its fingers, forming wicked sharp talons. As I sense it beginning to pick up speed, I am going to... Uh, the, the street that I'm running down, I'm going to just diagonally run across the street, trying to weave through traffic to put the whole street between me and it while I continue uh, running forward. Roll to act under pressure. All right, a five and a two is a seven, plus my... Um, my cool of one is an eight. You duck and weave to put more room between you and it. And the creature just follows you into traffic. And right before it reaches you, the last car you dodge connects with it. Buying you some time, giving you a little distance. But the creature is angry. And it begins taking out its wrath on the car and the people inside it. You know, I turn on my heel and uh, unzip my gym bag and come back at it with my sword, uh, trying to just straight up chop it in half. Roll to kick some ass. All right, a six and a five is an 11. Uh, 
plus my tough of three is a 14, and kick some ass is an advanced move in my playbook. I am going to inflict double the normal harm on this thing. In a rage, you leap in and strike. Quite possibly angrier than you've ever been. And you drive the sword through the creature from shoulder to hip. And it screams. It screams in awful, agonizing pain. The bottom half of it begins to wither away to a charred husk. Well, the head and arm that are still connected scramble and try to drag itself away, but but the wound, the burning, just continues to consume what's left of this creature. The last sound it makes as it dies is a pitiful whimper. Please roll to read a bad situation. All right, a six and a two is an eight. Plus my sharp of one is a nine. Gives you a hold one. Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? These things have always moved in pairs. Sir Osmond, mm. you got your armor in place. Mm. You begin making your way. You haven't made it more than four or five steps before you hear a crunching sound of metal and broken glass behind you. I'm ready to strike. The other skinwalker has dropped from atop a building onto the wreckage of the car. Though it normally doesn't even have a mouth, it forms one with a wide, toothy grin as it leaps at you, claws extended. It finds the blade. Roll to kick some ass. Oh, boy. Um, so four and a two is six. With my tough of three, that makes that a nine. I'm going to... <sighs> I, I will have to if it's going to... Yeah, I will use another point of luck to have this be an incredibly successful attack. And as this is an advanced move the additional effect will become to suffer no harm at all. How much luck does this leave you with? Two squares. You bat aside the creature with your blade. There's a sizzling sound as it makes contact with the creature, but it is unimpressed. It grabs a nearby mailbox and hurls it at you. I swing to cut it in half. Roll to act under pressure. Well, with a six and a four on the dice, plus my cool of one, that's a total of 11. You smash it out of the air, and the thing hisses angrily at you. It crouches down low as it begins to circle you. I keep the sword between the creature and myself. 
so that any motion it does will be met with a counterattack. And I say, If you are able to grow a mouth, then you should be able to grow ears and listen. You and your master have lost this day, just as my old rival has. So free, if you know what is good for you. For today you do not face any old knight. You face Sir Osmond of the Flow, champion of the Knights of the Round Table, reclaimer of the Holy Grail. Osmond, die. And it rushes you. It finds steel. Roll to kick some ass. A five and a six plus my tough of three make for a total of fourteen. I will choose to suffer no harm at all. <laughs> it lunges past you. And with a deft strike, you separate its arm from its body. It tries to regrow it, but the blackened wound left behind by this blade won't let it. And I shake my head at it in response. Not this day. It growls. But you can see it trembling. It moves in closer, more slowly. I shall not deliver a second warning to those who approach their doom. And it lunges with its last remaining claw. It meets steel. And I rolled a five and a one. Plus my tough of three is a total of nine. I will use another luck point to have this roll succeed and use the advanced move to suffer no harm at all. This time it falls and does not get up. And I collapse to one knee. clapping figure steps out of a nearby doorway. Your eyes can't quite focus on him. I struggle to my feet and put my blade between myself and the mysterious person. There is more than a little blood staining the edges of my beard. We've had this conversation before. And you should know my answer. You think it is only your life on the line. But it is not. You've already lost one of your friends. Would you like to lose the other? Your words are as air. You will be a fool to think so poorly of my comrades. Another skinwalker enters you. It drops an unconscious Father O'Malley to the ground. I have seen your tricks before, as one of your kind is already deemed fit to impersonate my descendant. I will not be fooled by your petty games. Now be gone, unless you too shall fall 
to the blade of Sir Osmond of the Flow, champion of the Knights of the Round Table, and proclaimer of the Holy Grail. The unconscious O'Malley sits up, eyes glowing red as his jaw distends. Well then, speaks the shrouded man, I suppose your story ends here. As the two creatures move to strike, there's a ripple. As everything around you stops, and in your blurred vision you see a familiar face. In fact, Trevor Ebbs is standing over you. Several feet behind him you see Atsi Manu wearing one of her trademark beat-up band shirts. Trevor looks younger than he did the last time you saw him. Despite the years you spent in that speed dating, <laughs> you have come out younger than you were when you went in. You regained two points of luck. Hooray! Oh, hey, man. Aren't you a sight for sore eyes? You will not believe the afternoon I've had. First, there was a rock climbing wall. Then there were ski lessons. Then there was this cool elder totter. But at first, it wasn't cool. But then it was cool. But, like, you know, that took a while. But we're going to get there. Because, like, I swam for a while. And I couldn't keep swimming because like, I was getting tired. But then I had to keep swimming because the bad guys were going to get me. And then I found the island. When I got to the island, I was like, oh, no, there's a big monster in the water. And it turns out it wasn't a big monster. It was a big friend. It's my big friend named Quincy. Hey, Quincy, say hi. This is Sarazma the Flow. He's my great, 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 You hear some sort of monstrous noise somehow find its way to you through a ripple of time and space. Anyway, how was your day? 